Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. So I'm getting settled here. We are starting a new series this morning that's going to take us through Easter. And we're in the Lent season, as we've been talking quite a bit about, and for the next few weeks, including Good Friday. So we are going to have a Good Friday service, details TBD, but FYI, there you go. For the next uh, six or seven times together, we're going to be in a series as we travel through the Word of God, and we're, we're, we're calling it Via Dolorosa. It means the way of suffering. Via Dolorosa is a road in Jerusalem that is kind of commemorates Jesus' road of grief, his road of suffering, as he went from his trial to the cross for us. It's a place of pilgrimage for believers from all around the world, and we can't travel to Jerusalem over the next few weeks, but we can visit some of the stations of the cross that are marked on Jesus' way of suffering. The way of suffering, the way of grief, is what Via Dolorosa means in Latin. Two words that we're not super comfortable with. We don't like to talk a lot about. But two, places, uh, two words of deep importance in understanding Jesus, his character, understanding our God, and understanding what it means to walk with him. This Lent season is a beautiful time and a rhythm in the year to make sure that we're turning extra attention to remember Jesus and his sufferings for us and remember the beauty of his resurrection. There's a list of things called the Stations of the Cross. You maybe have heard of these before, but they are, they are markers on the way of the road of suffering. Through church history, kind of depending on what time you're in and what denomination or kind of movement you're a part of, the list of the Stations of the Cross uh, can kind of be different. It's not just a, a purely biblical thing. It's more of a, a rhythm that the church has created. So we're not going to be hitting all of the different Stations of the Cross that are recognized by different people, but we are going to take the, the moments that we have to, f- to visit a few different Stations of the Cross so that we can meditate and get a deeper revelation of this great gift of love that Jesus has given us. On S. Wednesday, we talked about Lent being a time to remember Jesus and his salvation. Through prayer and fasting, we're doing that on Wednesdays as a church. And these Sundays are going to be beautiful together as we commemorate Jesus on the road of suffering. I have a friend working through his PhD right now, and I was having a phone call with him because I had heard some things he had been saying recently. As part of his research, what he's doing right now is that he is reading through Every old Pentecostal journal he can get his hands on from 1906 to 1919. So 1906 was the birth of the Pentecostal movement. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was sweeping this country and moving in power in beautiful ways. And up to 1919, uh, that is where the, the people of the world, really not, not just the people of the church, but people were facing World War I and a global pandemic. Does it sound familiar to anybody? And so he, just, he said, you know, as part of my research, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord and asking, what can we learn from these brothers and sisters who face such a similar time as us? He was telling me that the thing that is impacting them the most as he's reading through these journals is that he's finding that the early Pentecostals saw power to endure suffering as a main function of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was a blessing. It comes with power and boldness and gifts. But it was equally and as essentially the gift of God that came with power so that we could fellowship with Jesus in his sufferings. 
They would talk over and over again. It, was, it wasn't necessarily a point they were making. It was, it was as if it was common sense for them. That they said, you know, they said as Jesus did, as we follow Jesus, we will suffer with Jesus. We will suffer with Jesus. And, and it is the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk with him in his suffering. They, they would teach, we will suffer with Jesus. And the other side of the coin of that teaching was that if we don't suffer with Jesus, we will suffer a shallow walk with Jesus. The call to endure suffering with Jesus. This morning, we begin our commemoration of Via Dolorosa with the first station of the cross. Just a simple message I'm titling, Jesus suffers on trial. Jesus suffers on trial. Would you stand for the reading of the word of God? We've got some ground to cover this morning, which is good news that we get to hear a lot of the Bible. Starting in verse 39 of Luke 22. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd and a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those were when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear, but Jesus, his right ear, but Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched the ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and they kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When the day came, 
The assembly of the elders of the people gathered together both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is the Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea and Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. When he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but Jesus made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he has sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. And we're asking, Lord, for a great and precious revelation of your love that you showed to us through your suffering. We're praying, Lord, that every heart and mind in this room would be still and silent and soft before your word. Come and pierce us and divide us with the power of your living word, Holy Spirit. I'm praying that we would all receive you deeper this morning. For those of us who know you, we want to know you more. For those of, you, those of us who do not know you, who have not made you our confession, Lord, I'm praying that you would call every person in this room to yourself and that they would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about six trials Jesus suffered as he began his journey 
down Via Dolorosa. First, Jesus suffered the trial of being in agony. The trial of being in agony. Luke 22, verse 44 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Agony. What a word. The Greek word used that's translated into the English agony, it means several different things. It means a struggle for victory. It relates to a gymnastic exercise or wrestling. It speaks of severe mental struggles and emotions, agony, anguish. In our English dictionary, this word agony, it means extreme and generally prolonged pain, intense physical or mental suffering, a display or outburst of intense mental or emotional excitement, the struggle preceding natural death. It means a violent struggle. Jesus suffered the trial of being in agony. In the book of Matthew, it says that he was sorrowful and troubled. In both Matthew and Mark, Jesus says of himself, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Jesus was tried by the agony of life. He was tried by the agony of obedience. He was tried by the agony of pain. He was tried by the agony of fear. He was tried by the agony of death. The way of victory was paved through struggle. And the trial that Jesus faced was Would he face it? We see Jesus facing in the garden the trial of agony. Will you face what you know is about to come? Would he endure it? Before he endured the cross, he had to face the fear of the cross. Before he endured the pain of death, he had to face the fear of the pain of death. And even as his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He did all he knew to do. He prayed more earnestly. It's kind of probably how it felt. You ever felt that? Ah! As he bleeds. Jesus suffered the trial of being betrayed. He faced the trial of being betrayed. 22, 47, and 48. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jerusalem to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Betrayal. Betrayal. Betrayal only really happens when there's trust. How close was Judas to Jesus? How deep was this betrayal? 
Judas was one of the 12. Which means that Jesus, when he sought the Father all night in prayer about who the Father was setting apart, the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus the Son that it was the Father's will that this man Judas be appointed as one of the 12. How close was Judas? Scripture tells us he was trusted with the money bags. How close was Judas? He sat at the Passover table at the installment of the Eucharist. When Jesus, God in the flesh, gave us his body broken for us. Gave us his blood poured out for us. How close was Judas to Jesus? Close enough to know where Jesus' deepest place of prayer would be. He knew Jesus well enough to know the agony Jesus was in and where he would go to pray even more earnestly. He knew where Jesus was, he knew what Jesus was feeling. He knew where Jesus would want to go, and he knew Jesus would be there. Because he knew Jesus was going through something. How close was Judas? Close enough to kiss him. Jesus says to Judas and the crowd that he's brought, I was with you day after day in the temple. And he didn't lay hands on me. Any one of you could have grabbed me any time. But it has to be here. It has to be here. It has to be here in my secret place. It has to be here. My one place to go bear my soul to my father. It could have been anywhere. It had to be here. Yeah. It has to be now. You could have grabbed me anytime. Anytime. But now, while I'm in agony, it has to be now. It has to be like this. You could have done this anyway. But the Son of Man has to be betrayed by the kiss of a friend. This is how it's going to go. Jesus suffered the trial of being failed. Jesus suffered the trial of being failed. Scripture tells us that Peter was just telling Jesus, even if I have to die with you, Lord, I will never disown you. But here Peter is. I do not know him. I am not one of them. I do not know what you're talking about. Judas 
Judas betrayed Jesus. He made the choice. He gave it up. He switched teams. He put himself first. He, he forsook Jesus on purpose for his own personal gain. Peter just failed. Peter just failed Jesus. He couldn't handle the heat. He just couldn't take the pressure. He folded. Judas wanted to. Peter didn't want to. He just couldn't help it. He just broke. Jesus had to suffer the trial of not being able to trust anyone for help, not being able to trust anyone for comfort, not being able to trust anyone for backup, not being able to trust anyone for assurance, not being able to trust anyone for strength. Whether by betrayal or by failure, Jesus had no one left. He was completely alone. He knew the cliff was coming. One of his friends pushed him off of it. And then the one who said he would reach out and save him shrunk back to save his own neck. While everyone else got to quit, Jesus was left to suffer alone. Jesus suffered the trial of being abused. Twenty-two sixty-three. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. What else is there to say about these verses other than what they say themselves? The Son of God, mocked, beaten, blindfolded, slandered, blasphemed at the hands of mortal men. You know, it would be one thing for them to beat him and mock him and slander him because they thought he was the devil. They had thrown that one out there before. But to mercilessly mock and abuse him for being who he truly was, for being who they were really waiting for, to be the very one they needed the most, Jesus suffered the trial of being hated. Jesus stands before the elders of the people, the chief priests and the scribes in verses 66 through 71 of Luke 22. If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated on the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said, you say that I am. 
And then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Hated for being who he truly was. In chapter 23, 1 through 5, he stands before Pilate. The people bring him before Pilate and throw their accusations at him. And so Pilate asks for himself, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered them, Yusuf said so. Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent in saying, he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. Jesus is getting really inconvenient for all these people. Him being who he really is is starting to cause them problems because they feel threatened. And what men can be really good at when they feel threatened is to just start hating and come up with any reason in any way they want to deal with what is threatening them. Verses 6 through 17, Pilate sends Jesus to Herod now. Figured he could pass him off to somebody else to deal with. And Herod, we learn, he was excited. He was excited to meet Jesus because uh, he had heard that Jesus did party tricks. And Herod wanted one. Herod didn't give two rips about who this man was. Family, friends. He just wanted somebody to come and entertain him. Like some sort of circus animal. Herod asked Jesus all these questions, and Jesus just stands silent. So Herod doesn't get the show that he really wants. So him and his soldiers dress Jesus up and mock him some more and send him back to Pilate. The priests and scribes hated Jesus for being who he was. Pilate hated him for putting him in a tight political spot. Herod hated him for not playing along in his court. So they all just pass him back and forth, one to the other. But not until each of them take bits of his flesh and dignity first for their own entertainment. God incarnate, subjected to the pride, the arrogance, the envy, and the hatred of carnal men. Treated worse than an unwanted dog. Passed around like a pinata without a soul. Jesus suffered the trial of being rejected. 23.18. But as they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. One last glimpse of hope for Jesus. Pilate of all people fighting for his freedom, declaring his innocence. 
We have Pilate. The delegated authority, basically, of all the earth at that point. Seemingly in control of the fate of the one who is fully God and fully man. Jesus has been betrayed, he's been failed, he's been hated, he's been abused, he's been tossed aside. But here he stands, one last opportunity. The God who so loves the world presents his only son to the world. And the crowd goes wild. Crucify, crucify him. And release to us Barabbas. Even Pilate can't believe it. Even Pilate knows this is wrong. He asks the people, John tells us that he asked the people, shall I crucify your king? And all God's people said, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. And he delivered Jesus over to their will. Life is full of sufferings. The world is full of sufferings. And we need to understand as Christians that we have, by virtue of chosen, choosing Jesus, we have chosen certain sufferings. Our master promises us, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He promises us, in this world, you will have trouble. This faith that we believe in, the act of faith requires suffering. It is a measure of suffering to believe for what you cannot see. To hope is to suffer. To hope is to suffer. You suffer the longing. You suffer waiting while you do not have what you hope for. To live holy, you must suffer. You must suffer temptation and endure. Obedience requires that you suffer denying yourself for the sake of righteousness. To be filled with righteousness, you must suffer hungering for it and thirsting for it. You must suffer, my friends. When you face your trials of sufferings, remember your Lord. Remember your Lord Jesus. Because like him, when you face sufferings, they are a trial for you. It is a trial that each one of us faces. Every suffering is a trial. And Jesus has gone before us in our trial. Will we stop? Will we quit? Or will we choose to fellowship with him in his sufferings? 
Will we choose to abide in him and yoke ourselves to him even when he leads us down via Dolorosa? Choose him, my friends. Choose to suffer with him. Do not shrink back. When suffering comes and the agony comes, pray more earnestly and follow your Lord Jesus. When the betrayal comes and there is no one left, remember that your Lord Jesus has stood where you have stood. When the abuse comes and you face what you ought not have to face, remember your Lord Jesus who has stood in your place before you. When you face rejection from the world, not because you are wrong, but because you are what the world needs, remember your Lord Jesus. Remember your Lord Jesus and stand and face your sufferings. Stand in your trials. And as you do, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Stand, my friends. Will you stand as we take communion together? If you're not a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, I would encourage you not to partake of his blood and of his body, as the scriptures have said. And at the same moment, if you're ready to make that decision, let this be your reception of your Lord Jesus Christ. When we receive these elements, he gives us his body broken for us. And we remember him. Remember him in whatever you're facing. Sometimes we can talk about trials in our context in this year and in this country, and we can wonder, when do I suffer for the Lord? Have you suffered any of the things that he suffered? 
My prayer for us has been that we wouldn't be distracted from, well, I haven't suffered like that person. Don't get distracted, my friends. You are suffering for Jesus every time you choose him. Every time you believe him. Every time you obey him. And every time you choose it, it is worth it. And he is with you. Every time you face the challenge of obedience, of faith, of hope, of love. Every time you face the challenge of slowing down to hear the voice of God. To abide in him. To yoke in him. You face the trial of turning away from the voices of the world. You do well in that time, my brothers and sisters. And Jesus is with you. Every day you have the opportunity to remember him and fellowship with him in his sufferings as you look and you long for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done. Will you partner with him in his sufferings? Your body and your flesh may not break like his did, but every day when you deny yourself, your body is broken for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we remember as we receive his body. That he is with us. That he was broken before us. He was broken for our healing. And there is a deep place of fellowship with him as we partner with him in his suffering. Let's receive the body of Jesus together. And he gives us his blood. He says, this is poured out for you. The sweat on his brow. The strike from the scribes and Pharisees. The beating from the soldiers. It was poured out for you. This blood poured out for you. And not just because he loved you, but because he loved you enough to forgive you of all of your sins. As we take his blood, we remember that like scripture said, we no longer have to suffer as the murderers that we were. Those who are sinful and broken, but we get to suffer with Christ and his righteousness. This new covenant that he's made with us in his own blood, we partner with him. We partner with him as we walk in the righteousness of Christ given to us by the forgiveness of his sins as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit poured out for us in this beautiful new covenant of grace. Will you receive his blood and join with him in his sufferings? Let's receive him together. Bible tells us that Jesus at the price of his own blood made a way for us into the holy of holies and the way is called Via Dolorosa he didn't just walk up into the temple and walk through the curtain he walked through the curtain by the way of suffering my prayer for us in this season as we meditate on his gift to us is that we would be overwhelmed and overcome with gratitude and revelation and understanding that this was no simple thing. This really did have a price. You really did have a price. And that price really was paid by the grace and the suffering of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. 
We're gonna worship as I pray for us to wrap up our time. Our prayer team's gonna come forward. If you need prayer for anything in your life, please come up and have somebody pray for you. If you just need to come up and be on your knees or stand before the Lord, I would encourage you to do it. But as we close, my encouragement to you is this. Seek the filling of the Holy Spirit that you might have power to endure these sufferings that you might have power to fellowship with him, abide in him, and join with him through every stop on the way of this short and brief road to glory. The end, your end, is coming soon. Time is short. Let us stay strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you need strength in your suffering for whatever reason, come as somebody stand with you and pray. If you need the filling of the Holy Spirit, come have somebody pray with you that you might be filled with power. Lord Jesus, we turn to you with these last few minutes together and we celebrate you and remember you. And we ask that you would come. Come Holy Spirit and give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, open up our hearts to understand you more and to stay strong. Lord, I'm asking that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit that we might have power to be your witnesses. Witnesses to the world that you are the one who suffered for them. Strengthen us to stand in your beautiful grace and mercy. You are our desire. You are our affection. You are our target. You are the one that we love. And we turn our attention to you in the beautiful name of Jesus. Let's worship and pray together.